0: The Bazaar is an explicit radio program. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome! Got something that might interest you. (laughs) Why hello everybody and welcome to episode... 53 of the bizarre it is the second anniversary episode all very exciting we've made it this far it's two full years and it is the 70th total episode so there's been lots to sink your ears into your earbuds so it's been a fabulous two years i must say and um, we'll just start off we've I've met some incredible creators and entertainers and made some great friends through the show over the last two years. It's been absolutely fantastic. And I'd just like to thank everyone who has ever graced the threshold of this fine bazaar over the last two years, even if you've listened for a couple of seconds, giving those numbers a nice little boost. I thank you. And if you're still here from the start, uh, keep on trucking. We'll go for another two years, definitely. And I suppose veteran listeners of the show will know how it all started. uh, From the humble live streaming of Resident Evil Remastered... ...through writing horror reviews for the now defunct uh, UK horror scene. And I built up uh, a contact list of very talented filmmakers... ...which I said, hey, I could uh, start talking to these guys. And of course, Dan Robinette, who was on uh, last week... ...was the first guest to be aired. But actually, my first recording was it a man all the way over in England, David Chaudoir. We discussed his uh, short film, Bad Acid, and we actually had a mishap. It was the reason he was uh, episode number three. We had to record three different times due to uh, me getting to grips, essentially, with the recording software. So that is actually what the issue was. And as the months rolled by, I continued to have a stream of guests, uh, reached out to others, others reached out to me and then we kept on going last year's anniversary we had the trauma legend lloyd kaufman and now today it's with me with a jam-packed discussion and a dissection lying in wait and as you may have read from the title we're going to be looking at suspiria the remake uh, from the 1977 argento movie that came out recently uh, i'm going to kind of compare and contrast there I'm going to be any well much spoilers just what will be the differences and should you go out and see them and i've recently also watched the chilling adventures of sabrina and recently watched the new um steve mcqueen movie uh, widows in cinema so it's all about girl power today ladies and gentlemen so i suppose guys before we dive in to the discussion Uh, over the last few months you may have noticed a change in focus to the show Um, you may have seen and heard I've been traveling a lot and have shared my stories which you all seem to love and now I found myself in the upside down as you may be aware down here in Australia uh, we are nearly a full day ahead of everyone and it's making interviewing very inconvenient uh, let's just say so On a go forward basis, um, interviews will be sort of on the back burner and a little bit more spread out. And I'll be focusing on trying to get really interesting uh, and maybe more higher profile guests um, and that I can space them out a little bit better. And just for now, I hope to bring you great uh, thought provoking and fun discussions on anything that I'm finding interesting uh, coming along. Because you all actually seem to really enjoy the four-part monster madness that I, I did with the co-host and MVP, Robert Christopher. And if you're a new listener and, or have missed them, I would definitely say you should go back and listen. Because in my recordings, uh, not the recordings, but when I was editing those, um, I nearly choked a few times from laughing. And uh, That's not me tooting my own horn. They are generally very fun and I got great feedback so I think you guys seem to love the movie discussion so with that little bit of housekeeping out of the way let's dive into the meaty spoiler free discussions so very recently I had seen Suspiria 2018 I convinced the lovely partner in crime Maeve uh, to come see it and I said yeah it's based on a 1977 Uh, Dario Argento movie which I saw last year and I guessed it on another now defunct podcast. It seems everything in the last couple of years is now defunct but we were discussing Suspiria, the original and that had a haunting score. Um, I'll just kind of discuss the original first and we'll move on. So I'll try and just keep it as vague as we can and I'll be brief enough but the original uh, if you've seen it it's like the typical yellow horror. It's all saturated uh, techno, technicolor. But really jarring, um, like soundtrack from uh, the band Goblin, and it kind of, to be blunt about it, it's like a cocaine fucking fever dream, and it was sort of riveting. Uh, the, the story follows a, a young girl, Susie, and she comes from America to Berlin into a dance academy and it sort of unravels that there's a, a greater, uh, more powerful conspiracy and mystery surrounding a coven of witches. Now that's about the extent of what I'm going to say about the story if you haven't seen either. But the new one follows a similar path uh, but it's a lot more drawn out colours um, Tom York actually does the music of Radiohead fame and it's all a little bit more drawn out, it's not as jarring and sort of escalating and a bashing of the senses, which the first one was which is basically uh, what I think the intent was a sort of jarring, disjointed there's not really much of a narrative it's just like pieced together scenes of pure hysterics So the new one, uh, it stars the same uh, actress, her name escapes me now, from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. And she's actually quite good in this. She does play a really young Susie very well. And she is obviously an American, she's coming over to Berlin. It's actually set in the same time frame, around when the Berlin Wall is up. And uh, Tilda Swinton plays one of the matriarch or the heads of the dance school so there's really good acting in there I actually had been following this because last year when we were discussing it it was like the 40th anniversary and this actual remake was supposed to be coming out uh, like for the 40th anniversary and strangely actually when we were watching it it's made by Amazon Studios now uh, I wouldn't say it's ignorance of me but Since I know of Amazon for a long time, I just always continually think of Amazon as just an online retailer of books, but (laughs) I don't think um, having a a bookshop being the first trillion dollar company, or at least the second just after Apple, I don't think they got there (laughs) just from selling books. So when I saw Amazon Studios, I was like, whoa, is this going to be bad? Is this going to be good? But really good production value, Uh, good throwbacks to the 70s, but... I don't know. Does it actually hold up? Really, um, the direction in which the movie goes towards the end, it does reach a, a sort of fever pitch again. But I feel there isn't really much payoff. It's cryptic for cryptic's sake. Uh, like there's, you know, good symbolism. You could look into it deeper. But the question you always have to ask yourself is: It actually worth diving into a little deeper? Is it worth your time dissecting? Is there a message? I would have personally said there was no message to be seen in this it was just a bit of an artistic masturbation and just a throwback to the Argento movie uh, could it stand on its own two feet definitely um, admittedly I did see it a little bit hungover it's not a hangover movie it's a really slow burner it's actually split into six acts with an epilogue And boy, do they drag on. There shouldn't have been an epilogue. There's certain scenes that could have been switched around and moved around. um, But Suspiria, yeah, I don't know. I think if you're a really hardcore horror fan, uh, I think it was on limited release as well. We kind of had to see it at like 11 o'clock on a Saturday. Uh, It was one of these ones that probably will slip under the radar unless you've heard about it. But it was decent, artistic. And a nice retelling. But yeah, see the two uh, versions and get back to me on that one. Uh, and there was actually, did I say, a nice cameo. But I won't mention who. And Tilda Swinton actually played three different roles. And I only just found out what the third one was. And I was actually blown away. So yeah, maybe go see the movie and try and figure out who Tilda Swinton plays. There isn't that many characters, so it should be quite easy easy so that's my little two cents on Suspiria 1977 and 2018 they just missed the mark on the 40th anniversary but look, it was decent so I wanted to tie it in because obviously Suspiria is got to do with witches, uh, it was a movie primarily uh, there was a, lots of women inhabiting the, the screen and the new Netflix show the retelling or another reboot is the chilling adventures of Sabrina and if you are a fan of the 1996 show that ran until 2003 with militia Joan Hart's a kind of campy uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch show and that had like over 116 episodes or something like that so that was more like a real sitcom it was a lot more light-hearted now, what Netflix are going for is a lot more... It's it's a darker show. Definitely lots more occult symbolism. And it dives a little bit deeper into that mythology. And it is very watchable. But what I think the show... Uh, but really the sword that it falls on, so to speak... Is that each episode has a different director. Now, the look of the show... Is very consistent they must have had some art director making sure of it but the tone in each episode is widely varying to the point of it's almost unwatchable in some episodes I mean Sabrina she's just meant to be 16 and she's having her uh, baptism of the dark as she's gonna be sworn in as a, a minion or a disciple of the Dark Lord himself And in the kind of first couple episodes it's a little bit darker you get to see some side boob etc coming out of like bats and stuff and lots of gratuitous violence and a little bit of swearing I'm like okay she's meant to be 16 I'm not too sure are you allowed to show that uh, sort of uncoverage on uh, TV if someone's depicted to be a certain age so I was like alright it's going a little bit darker and sort of as some of the show went on they they have some school dramas and there's all this like virtue signalling ridiculousness of like being PC in the modern age but it's a show about a witch Um, all this dark stuff they're kind of shoehorning in like topical issues like race and uh, like LGB LGBTQI uh, issues as well on top of the the whole witch thing um, which is fine but the way they explore them just isn't the best execution and actually takes away from the main plots and those kind of episodes like the show is kind of split between school and the witch world and witch school we'll say so basically the mortal school scenarios just get really dumb uh, a little bit overplayed uh, sort of narratives that are creeping into everything um, and that is to say like some other episodes then they're like oh heck oh damn like they they don't have any violence they don't have any I suppose uh, explicit content uh, due to different directors and there's a weird lens blur as well when magic is happening that it makes it look like it's in fisheye lens and that's kind of quite jarring when you compare then to the original show, which was actually based on a 1996 movie with the same actress I believe, uh, where Sabrina Spellman was actually Sabrina Sawyer, um, that was a lot more fun and what she got up to was, like it was more comic booky, like what is based on the Archie Comics Sabrina. And in the new show, uh, they actually, there's one or two throwaway references. Uh, there's another Archie Comics show on Netflix as well, uh, Riverdale, based on Archie himself. There's a f- few throwaway lines that actually link, that actually link Sabrina, which they are in Greendale, to Riverdale. They're like, oh yeah, our friend's over in Riverdale, or blah, blah, blah. So they actually mention Riverdale. So this means now in the Riverdale universe, there's witches. So there's no supernatural stuff in Riverdale yet. I'm watching that as well. But are they ever going to make a crossover? That is the question. So as we watched it, I think there was about eight episodes. Uh, it's not your usual Netflix 10, or if it was, there was a few episodes just melded in together. And there was just a few jarring uh, scenes. I mean, it's kind of like something happens, which is really elaborate, like someone just making this up now, but like pouring a cup of coffee. But, you know, they're boiling the kettle, pouring it in, and then something quite significant to the plot is kind of shown off screen but they sort of, no I'll give a better example, so they sort of set up a whole um, set essentially, like a really elaborate set and then a really pivotal scene and point actually happens off screen. Which I'm like why would you go to the trouble of creating this whole set piece and set and environment and have something happen off screen but being quite pivotal uh, to the plot, it didn't really actually make much sense uh, in that regard sometimes. I mean as I was just alluding to every episode has a different uh, director and it just isn't consistent largely uh, which kind of takes away from the enjoyment but there is something good there if they could stick with the same director I know it's a TV show and people need to throw their two cents but there has to be a cohesion of the story you're trying to tell. Uh, It does kind of come back around at the end but where season two is going, who knows? I probably will watch it. It's one of these things. I'd give it a chance. But much like The Walking Dead, uh, I just gave up. That sort of jumped the p- proverbial shark once the zombies were just like getting cut through. Hot knife with butter and they'd pose no threat. And That's a different show for a different time. I know Robert Christopher would be dying to talk about it and the new season and where it's going but about two seasons behind but uh, yeah should you check out Sabrina only if you've uh, seen the first one uh, good there's some there's some deep stuff but then there's some cheesy stuff uh, depends what kind of show you like you can definitely throw it on in the evening and just have a, a watch but compared to the first campy show it's a lot darker um, maybe isn't as polished if that makes sense it doesn't really know where it's lying yet but uh, yeah it's a good effort by Netflix and again uh, it's okay so I suppose the last uh, little point uh, of discussion today uh, I went to see Steve McQueen's um, Widows which to be honest with you was a really good movie but the marketing guys they Again, they always do this. They set it up as like a really um, action-packed girl power, you know, women, uh, bank robbers kind of thing. And that was not the movie at all. The movie was a really slow build and a slow burner towards, I suppose, a climax that was a heist. Uh, That's not giving anything away, but the, the bare basics of the plot is... It's obviously called widows, so yes, it's a load of women whose husbands have died, and they sort of take over the the mantle then of like one last job. That's sort of cliche. And I was going into it, and I saw the title screen, and I was like, Steve McQueen. It's like Steve McQueen. Surely dead by now. He's he must be ancient. He's definitely dead a few years. And I text one of my friends after. I was like, Yeah, the ghost of Steve McQueen the ghost of Steve McQueen actually <laughs> must have um, directed this but Steve McQueen is not the same Steve McQueen it's a different Steve McQueen and this Steve McQueen he's actually I, I believe yeah this Steve McQueen has actually directed like 12 Years a Slave Shame Hunger like he's done a lot he is really good uh, but call yourself Steve McQueen man you're confusing confusing everyone. I knew Steve McQueen, the original from Bullet and The Great Escape. He died in the 80s. I knew I was right, but I was getting really confused. So that movie was cool. Uh, there was a lot of like tense moments, nice momentum to it. A few uh, a few scenes uh, where it could have been done a little bit better. Um, I'm really just tacking this on just for the title, just to Suspiria the Teenage Widow just to say that I saw it so it has been a a good couple of weeks of lots of uh, women on film and they're all carrying the show very well just to go back to Suspiria all the acting was great one of the actresses I actually noticed from that uh, German show Dark that was also on Netflix that I did discuss last year with Robert Christopher and David Weiner should go back and have a listen, but she played one of the various versions of the characters and that, so there actually is a lot of German talent and half the movie was in German and a little bit is in french and some strange little touch was that the German subtitles had a shadow of blue, and then anytime there was French subtitles there was a shadow of red and yeah, there was a lot of back and forth between the languages. So that was another thing that made it uh, stand out a little bit because you kind of had to be turned on to be reading subtitles interspersed with English on top of it being like two and a half hours long. It's a really long movie, as I said. Like there should have been a lot of fat that should have been cut. And Widows 2 was like two hours, ten minutes. Uh, it must pace quite well. The central plot was good and the twists and turns as there always is in these heist movies was good and there was a lot of loose ends that actually came together in the end and it was good i would actually recommend it if you're keen to see something new that's not different but actually seeing oh because it is a fish out of water situation the whole movie uh, by its own i suppose announcement as oh, we've never done this, we're not part of our husband's work, but if we do this one last job, and we, as we're women, no one will ever suspect us. It was actually cool to see how they carried it out, and they did incorporate uh, women's physical limitations into the show, you know, like carrying 80 pounds sacks of money, etc. So, it was quite self-aware in that regard, and it was good. I actually did enjoy it. Um, definitely better than Ocean's Eight, which by the trailer alone, I couldn't bear looking at, because it was a case of, oh, if I just walk in here with a cocktail dress, I can just put on this necklace and walk right out, and no one will suspect a thing. It's like, oh, that is just not how you write convincing characters, Hollywood. Come on, women are people too, <laughs> for God's sake. And I suppose um, for celebrations, wise guys, you're you're sort of wondering, yeah, Richard, this is the. Second anniversary of the show. What's so special about this show? Now, as I said, I couldn't get any uh, really cool interview for today, so I'm going to make it up to you somehow. I've had in the background, it's been in the vault for actually over two and a half years. It was the summer of 2016. There's an unaired pilot episode of what the bizarre could have been and it's quite cheesy i didn't really know what i was doing i just recorded on a limb uh because i was thinking about podcasting since you know it was closer to three years ago and it took a lot of months before i decided to actually start recording and what the show eventually ended up being was two years of interviews and you know meeting cool people as i said getting interesting insights and yes this was sort of a a movie discussion show so I kinda wanted today to mirror in some respect the unaired pilot so is it gonna remain unaired no it is not I am going to show you now the cheesy the embarrassing the cringy and now remastered for your listening, <laughs> listening <laughs> for your listening pleasure. It is the bizarre episode zero zero pilot setting up shop. I hope you enjoy, and we'll see you again for the next episode. Uh, please give your comments and feedback to this very raw. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna say raw pilot. The Bizarre is an illicit radio program. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome! Got a selection of good things on sale, stranger. Hello and welcome to The bazaar. My name is Richard. I'll be bringing you four nightly podcasts, giving you the very latest in the world of horror, entertainment, music videos films might even be a few interviews thrown in for good measure and uh, this is just a proof of concept today i'm going to throw out a few feelers so sit back relax grab yourself a beer and enjoy the show so today we'll be discussing just a few small things we we'll be going through them briefly um recently watched suicide squad and so a lot of controversy about that right now um, especially it's metascore there's a few fans getting up in a hissy fit you know why is this getting so bad let shut down Rotten Tomatoes, shut down metacritic i watched it on sunday it's not terrible by any means but it's definitely like a six out of ten um a lot of people saying oh the marvel cinematic universe has a lot more going for it than the DCU. Um, I'd argue that it doesn't. It's been there a bit longer so therefore you know people have it ingrained that somehow it's better since it stood the test of time. Uh, DC, excuse me, is definitely playing catch-up so you know it's hard for Warner Brothers. They're in a bit of a panic. They're really kind of pushing to get things out um, on a really tight schedule just to get ahead so Suicide Squad, yeah, it had the first half, people are saying it was, some people are saying it was absolutely unwatchable um, I thought it was pretty okay uh, it was by no means perfect as I said uh, the characters were fun, a lot of people saying Harley Quinn isn't a you know, a meta human, she's only a person, why is she in the squad, is it just eye candy well, you know, Margot Robbie, she's a great actress. She does a great job of Harley Quinn as an Australian. Um, she could have been a female boomerang. If, an- if anyone shouldn't have been there, it was Captain Boomerang. He can only throw boomerangs. Like, he's not gonna take down the likes of Superman. With that kind of crap, um, it was kind of fun. Um, I believe it could have been a very different film if the director could have gotten what he wanted Um, there's very like evidence there was different kind of cuts going on especially at the start Um, but the assembly parts were okay there there was a little bit of backtracking going over reintroduction of characters but it was fun it was a Sunday movie it's a comic book movie Uh, you know I put out a tweet the other day kind of saying like people need to stop expecting Citizen Kane got a bit of backlash saying you know we expect kind of something better uh, better execution. Um I disagree to a certain extent, but you know, it is it was certainly better than Avengers Age of Ultron. I, I thought that was absolutely terrible. Uh, for a number of reasons. It was pretty much identical to the first film. Uh, you know, the team must face their inner struggles and defeat the big bad. And it was just worse. It was, you know, a little town that was supposed to turn into a comet and James Spader as Ultron, you just felt as if he was phoning it in For normally a very good voice actor. He just wasn't really at the races uh, Another thing that's kind of popped up uh, speaking of horror is the Olympics in Rio um, getting very bad press at the minute it's been dubbed a POC Olympics. Olympics uh, which I'd agree with um, there's coaches getting robbed at knife point there's kayakers the couch kayak the hashtag that was going along the kayaker that fell <laughs> he hit a couch in the middle of the lake I think and capsized he's given out uh, Serena Williams Got a virus and she got knocked out. Um, Two more kayakers capsized, I think. Or sailors, I'm not too sure. You see, I'm not actually watching it. Just moved into a new apartment, so we don't actually have a television. So, I'm only kind of getting highlights through the internet. Um, What else happened? There was that um, French gymnast who broke his leg uh, in three places. That looked fairly rough. I know that wasn't any of the organizers' faults, but I know the accommodation villages also weren't um, finished on time. Lots of stuff going wrong. I'd say it was a lot of corruption. Uh, Money not going where it was supposed to be. Uh, They had the worries at Athens uh, in 2004 that it wouldn't be finished on time, but they really pulled it together. But... um, it just doesn't look like it's um, the best Olympics so far. I really don't have any interest this year, bar, you know, the 100-meter sprint. That's always a classic. Um, might watch a bit of wrestling, archery, diving, you know, all the long jump hurdles, discus, they're all kind of nice fill-ins running up to the athletics. But I digress. Um, as well, the Blair Witch, uh, I know news broke about that in the last sort of Fortnite. Uh it used to be Into the Woods. Um everyone's calling it the stealthy sequel to the Blair Witch um that just came out and everyone's amazed and everyone's happy. Uh I'll tell you my take on that. Um I said they reshot a few scenes through in the Blair Witch. No one was really hyped for this Into the Woods and it had a similar, you know, uh tone and venue sort of atmosphere as the Blair Witch, so they just tacked on the Blair Witch for, you know, that sellability or marketability, um, just to get people to watch it, but the reason the Blair Witch uh, at the time was so revolutionary as a kind of a horror film was one of the first filmed footage films, and there was a lot of misinformation going around at the time because people weren't as hooked into the internet, you know, it was all dial-up modems, people weren't really online so the only information you got was through word of mouth or publications or the radio so a lot of people kind of went into this and they thought it was actually a real documentary so that's something that can't really be done now I know Paranormal Activity has got a lot of success um, I don't know why it's absolutely terrible franchise but that's the story for a different day um, yeah. yeah I just Uh, The new Blair Witch, if you watched the trailer, um, which I think we should take a look at now, before I get into it. What is that? The guy who uploaded this video said it was from a tape he found in the Black Hills woods. I think that might be my sister you really think your sister could still be out there after all these years? If there is any chance that I could find out what happened to her, I need to try. Legend said there's been a curse on these ones. Do you believe in the stories about the Blair Witch? Oh my god. This looks familiar. We've been walking in a circle. No way. They're everywhere. Who could have done this? You did this! Oh my god! And we're back. So you can hear a lot of uh, screaming and reverb and confusion. Um it just doesn't look that good. Um I implore you to check out the trailer though. Um it's been hailed in the little sort of quotes as oh, a new direction of horror and it's gonna be the best thing since sliced pan. Um, I just think it's gonna be okay. Um the last kind of decent horror film I saw, which was almost as a tongue in cheek was the cabin in the woods um A lot of people hailing like the evil Dead remake as like, "Oh, that was very good, and it was great reimagining. but again, the problem with that was it was a reimagining of something that had been done before, so the last kind of real real good thing maybe that was I'm not too sure was it before or after. Uh, The Cabin in the Woods was insidious. Uh, I thought the score for that was great. Um, It was a real movie of two halves. Um, There was a kind of house haunting and the kid haunting and then there was the other world that they entered. Uh, I thought that was very interesting and a nice little new take, maybe a little bit like Dream Warriors, like Nightmare on Elm Street or something like that. But overall, um, I thought, It was good fun. Um, Another thing happening this week. uh, On the 6th of August, um, which it is now actually the 9th of August, if you're listening to this. um, It was the 30th anniversary of the Metroid franchise. Now, if you're not familiar with that, it's a Nintendo property uh, called Metroid. Um, The protagonist is Samus Arn, a bounty hunter of space pirates. She takes down the evil organisms, um, the Metroids, and also the Space Pirates, whose leader is the Mother Brain. Now, there was a fan remake of Metroid 2, which was released in 1991, Return of Samus. and It actually came out on the 6th of August um, to coincide with the 30th anniversary. It was in production. Uh, since 2012 but um, as of today uh, Nintendo has given a cease and desist order on that so it's no longer available um, Through the original channels, but if you're an eager um, Enthusiast of Metroid, I'm sure you'll find a way of downloading it um, you certainly won't get your copy from me um i played it for a few minutes i don't have a controller on my laptop at the minute um it is really good fun um as a f- as fan remakes go it's fairly spot on it actually could pass as a you know a, a full nintendo release um it has some new sort of like it's all done new sprites i think it's more like super metroid it's more 16-bit as opposed to the monochrome game boy release which was samus uh Metroid 2, Return of Samus. Um very good. I, I would actually plan on you know playing it a little bit more and seeing where I'd go with that. Um I'd say just check it out, check out a few videos if you're a fan of video games and um see where you want to go from there. Uh, another gaming news, um IGN have given new gameplay video on Gears of War 4 now I played the beta of Gears of War 4 um, I did just a little first impressions video on YouTube if you'd like to check that out at the fear merchant on YouTube um, we have a couple of let's play videos up there um, just a few first impressions not much but if you just want to see your opinions and just us mess around myself and Simon um, just check that out uh, be greatly appreciated if you would want to like and subscribe. Um, just Gears of War Four. Um, playing the beta, like it just looks like a three sixty game with a kind of a, a sharper reskin again for you know Xbox One. In no great shakes. So I remember when Gears of War One came out in the Christmas of two thousand and six. I was absolutely blown away at just the graphical fidelity colors the textures just everything about that game the gameplay i was blew my mind completely gears war 2 upped it again but after that it just hasn't been improving um i know the coalition are making the new one it's not epic games anymore they've usually been really good over the years at pushing the boundaries with kind of graphical quality of their games it is a Microsoft entity um, I think they're just you know it's obviously a cash cow they finished up the story with Gears of War 3 you know the locusts were defeated um, spoilers I know it's released a long time ago but then they released Gears of War Judgment which was a prequel to the Gears of War trilogy um, I played a bit of it I didn't play much I will admit but um they Tried to make it a little bit more arena shootery. You couldn't go down. It was a little bit faster. They tweaked a few things which didn't really sit well with me. I'm not too sure about the wider fan base because I didn't pay too much interest at the time. But um, my friend, my good friends Keith, um, we used to play Gears of War all the time at his house. Uh he's quite decent. If you wanna check him out, he's the steamy streamers on youtube just bounce around kind of fairly similar to what we do except we're kind of more horror orientated um really loved it but getting back on topic um gears of war 4 you know same enemies are called the swarm or something ridiculous they just look like worse locusts which are quite iconic you know pale scaly-skinned kind of humanoids but these um, swarm guys are sort like men that have like burn trauma victims um if you're a burn victim, no offense to yourself um but they just do look like burn trauma victims um nothing new, but the new gameplay trailer gave me some hope uh they brought back Marcus Phoenix as an old kind of man because they're playing as his son, so if you don't know who Marcus Phoenix was, he was a protagonist of the original trilogy along with all his buddies uh, since retired all peacetime and now his son is trapped in a whole load of mess with his buddies with dad to tag along just to give that nostalgia factor and marketability as everyone seems to be cashing in on everything that's old there's no new IP it seems or no one is willing to give a punt to any anything new. So there's these new enemies they seem to be kind of like um RoboCop esque droids that kind of police the state. Uh they look fairly cool but uh kind of Halo the Halo franchise went the same way in Halo 4 and 5. Uh they sort of introduced these things called the Prometheans, which were robotic characters. I felt they were very sterile, um there was no gore. Uh Gears of War is renowned for its gore so these kind of robot characters where there's you know sparks and a few wires flying it doesn't look too kind of interesting or satisfying but i like the way they did add a new sort of enemy into the mix which was nice to kind of see that at least they're doing something new with themselves as a new company i'd parallel the coalition uh, who branched from epic games who are making the current years of war games I'd parallel them to 343 Industries which was a break-off group from Bungie who made the original Halo. Now interestingly, just a small point really, I'm just kind of rambling but The Coalition was the name of the government in the Gears of War franchise so the company spun out of that, called themselves The Coalition and 343 Industries is so named after 343 Guilty Spark which was a character in Halo so the two kind of branch off studio names are related to the core franchise in which they broke out from Um, so besides that um, it was nice to see Marcus Phoenix and again it does look a little kind of bit more dark like it used to be and um, like Gears 1 it did get progressively progressively lighter which i didn't agree with and a lot of other people didn't agree with since they're now going back to it so i am also looking forward to that um there isn't much else in the immediate pipeline i'm really been in the dark now lately i have no tv i have no xbox um just like reddit and ign now at the minute and listening to a few podcasts which are mostly film and tv related um Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. You never see podcasts because I know there's loads and I'm just a drop in the ocean here. Probably two listeners, myself (laughs) and anyone that will probably I'll be sending the link to if this ever does make the air. Um, A lot of people are just doing the same thing. Talking about the same shows and a lot of people are taking their opinions straight from kind of what the mass opinion is. There's no one kind of telling it how it is um i will admit i am guilty sometimes of jumping on the sort of bandwagon or what's in vogue to be thinking about a certain franchise but i will be strong in my own opinions too so um yeah um suicide squad again just going back to it um I would recommend seeing it if you're interested in the DC universe, uh, it's definitely a universe that I know a lot less of than say the Marvel one, but, but I was never one to read the comics, so just check it out, it's worth the price of admission, it's not just for a bit of light entertainment, but don't be expecting any sort of Oscar nominations for that. So this brings us on to our last section, a fire sale where I will be telling you what I've watched over the last one to two weeks in the quickest amount of time possible before the song ends. So without further ado, I've been watching Martyrs 2008, Martyrs 2015. Uh, lots and lots of television I've watched Frago season 2 uh, wanted to the stars um, mr. robot season 1 uh, started season 2 um, Jesus what else have I seen uh, Suspiria 1977 Dario Argento uh, 1984 from 1956 George Orwell's um, all very fantastic stuff Jesus um, fuck 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 I don't know man too much um, Maximum Overdrive Stephen King's movie about the trucks and all that kind of crack and um, yeah geez, that was nearly it Ooh. sorry guys so I'm going to conclude the podcast there uh, thank you ever so much for listening, if this ever does make it to air, um, if you would like to socialise with me, uh, please feel free to find me on Twitter at the Fear Merchant. Uh, we're also on YouTube um, at the Fear Merchant and on Twitch at the Fear Merchant. Very easy to remember. Um, stay safe, stay spooky, and I'll see you on the other side. Thanks very much again for listening. Richard, out. Come back any time. I'm recording this because this could be the last thing I'll ever say. The city I once knew as home is teetering on the edge of radioactive oblivion. A 300,000 degree baptism by nuclear fire. coming. A surge of quite hot atonement will be our wake-up call. Hope for our future is now a stillborn dream. The bombs begin to fall and I'm rushing to meet my love. Please remember me. There is no more.